going on? It's Ravon, Ravon, you. Hey, what's up? Omar, what's up, man? Nothing much. Happy to be here, guys. Oh, yeah, dude. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your night to hang out. Oh, absolutely. That was uh, quite the roller coaster of a game. <laughs> it's, it's extremely hard for a bunch of gifted basketball players to play hard against a bunch of guys who are, at any given moment, they're capable of just strangling and putting an end to things. It's just going to be like that. Fortunately, you know, I watched, uh, I was a big LeBron fan when he was in Cleveland and, uh, he played in the Eastern conference. So literally like two out of every three, if not three out of every four games was like this, literally it's awful every year. And now in the West, for the most part, they, they have enough, uh, decent competition to kind of keep them focused. It makes it a lot more fun to watch them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I, I remember watching those games in Cleveland, and they were just a slugfest. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was, a, there was a funny stretch. That 2018, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I make a lot of comparisons between the 2018 uh, uh, Cavs and the 2021 Warriors. And it's yeah. funny to me because, like, that 2018 Cavs team, they were just – it was like – they were so like old and veteran and they were playing all these bad teams. They were losing often to bad teams. Whereas like with Steph, it's like he's absolutely had to be amazing every night because they've just been playing these unbelievably good teams. And it's been funny to kind of see the difference between the two. Um, but I mean that Orlando team, they're deliberately just like, um, what's his name? The little guard I'm blanking. Cole, um, Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony. Yeah. Cole Anthony is okay, I guess, but he, they're basically just letting him do stuff to see if he can play. That's basically what's happening. Right. They play hard though, man. They play really hard. Uh, it feels like every night and they, the Lakers went up big they went up like 16, but uh, when they put the, when they took the foot off the gas, but like Orlando really took advantage. Um, so I guess we can kind of get into the game if you want to let a couple more people, I guess, get in here. Um, so what were you guys like first thoughts on the game, I guess, just as a whole, um, I guess I can start with, with you, Omar, what'd you, what'd you think of the game tonight? Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, uh, it was a total, uh, like we saw, we saw them come out right after that disappointing loss with the Mavs. They, they came out, the Lakers came out, played really well. Uh, and then we kind of let the foot off our gas, foot off the gas. Uh, and you know, one thing is that we couldn't, it seemed like we couldn't hold on to the ball. Uh, we went from mm-hmm. first quarter, we had a, a one turnover and then the second quarter we had seven. Uh, and that led to, I think like 13 or 14 easy transition buckets for Orlando. And it really got them in a rhythm. Like, like they, they had a nice looking jumper, like moving forward in, in the game. Um, and then, you know, talent kind of, you know, talent and then trying hard, <laughs> putting in effort right. and then. Along with, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, putting in Trez, that was a nice boost of energy uh, between Trez and THT uh, and going a bit smaller, right? Without, uh, kind of went away from the AD to AD lineups and went smaller and just switched everything instead of getting burned and pick, basic pick and roll action. Um, we kind of, we saw that and then, and then we kind of just took over the game. Dennis kind of just went berserk at the end <laughs> and just hit like a bunch of nice, you know, skip passes and, and lay-ins and, and jumpers. So what was really interesting to me about that closing stretch there is they basically just ran uh, Drum and Schroeder pick and roll from the top of the key 
and had Anthony Davis go to the opposite corner. And it's, it's funny because I was uh, talking with somebody from Warriors Twitter during the game uh, about spacing that, uh, th- that this particular team has. And he was talking about how he thought the Lakers needed shooting uh, instead of Drummond. I actually disagree with him because in a weird way, you know, Macklemore gives them flexibility with their lineups to go with more shooting. And you watch even without LeBron, they use as long as you use Drummond as the screener um, uh, against teams that aren't switching. They can literally space the floor with the best teams in the league. You just put KCP in one corner and you put Anthony Davis in the other corner, then whatever third guard or or forward in the other corner. And like when LeBron comes back, they're going to have lineups with LeBron at the four, AD at the five, Kuzma, KCP, Schroeder or Kuzma, KCP, Ben McLemore, or they can go bigger and put, uh, you know, Drummond at the five and have him be the screener, Marcus all at the five and be a screener. This is a team that suddenly can make a lot of space. And I think if you watch down the stretch of that game, Schroeder was getting wherever he wanted. Now, part of that's because Orlando's not a great defensive team. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, like that's what you, you want to make the game easy for your players. And you make the game easy by creating space and you create space by having really skilled players on the court and just throwing Anthony Davis into the mix there totally changed like the geometry of the court yeah and it was nice to see ad get his mid-range jumpers going right he had a few early um he finished like eight for 14 i think something like that so and he seemed to be moving really well uh he went off the minutes minutes restriction as well tonight so like it was good to see him moving hitting jumpers and kind of finally hit a three (laughs) yeah finally hit a three off that play that jason you were talking about right shooter drove off a drum and pick and roll i think kicked it out to 80 in the corner for three to kind of um ice the game i'm not worried about anthony davis i mean there's a lot of things to worry about about this team i feel like anthony davis is not one of them like i think Mm -hmm. he'll be he'll be there uh when it's ready but i want to ask you guys this because it was kind of strange uh lakers went up 16 and they had all these like defensive mistakes right and orlando was running like a lot of four or five action and they were still trapping that i think with ad and drummond and uh and then at the end i think they just started switching it especially when trez came in and then drummond kind of did the same thing did you see that as well uh drummond ad still kind of trapping a lot of actions when i feel like those two should be just switching the whole point of like ad squared i feel like like, why are they trapping four or fives ball handlers? That was kind of confusing to me. Did you guys see that during the game as well? Go ahead, Omar. Uh, yeah, I, I saw that uh, as well, and I was kind of confused. I don't know maybe um, if there was some, you know, miscommunication or misunderstanding of the game yeah. plan, but um, I'm glad we went away from it pretty quickly, but uh, it de- definitely led to like easy dunks and easy lanes yeah. uh, for Wendell Carter Jr. and whatnot. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I-, I don't know. I saw some of that. I was just kind of confused. What, why not just switch it? Especially when you have Drummond, who's pretty nimble, and that's not like you know, there's right. like great superstars with the Magic. It's just kind of you know whatever team right now. But um, yeah, no, that, that's that's it. I refuse to believe that that was actually schemed in there. So I would, I would, uh, I would go with that was just sloppiness against a bad team. You know, it's 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 important for us to, you know, acknowledge the reality of the fact that they haven't been defending super great as of late. I thought Dallas kind of picked them apart the last couple games. Yeah, and and I do think a lot of it was focus. Like a lot of it was uh, when they would uh, trap Luca, and there would have and they'd have that roller going down the paint, whether it was. Dwight Powell or Kristaps or whoever it was, 
they would uh, like kind of be stuck in no man's land on the backside and either leave the opposite corner three open or they'd leave the, the roller right down the, the lane for a dunk. They were just really sloppy. They weren't rotating on the back end. And the worst thing to do when you desperately need to get your defense back on track, because by the way, Frank came out and said that Frank's like, our defense doesn't look like it's what it's supposed to right now. And uh, uh, coming into tonight, it's like you're, what you really need is a good team um, that the Lakers can wake up against. But unfortunately it just kind of compounds the problem when you're playing against a bunch of fringe level NBA players uh, uh, that are just trying really hard and, and uh, uh, and the other team's not even necessarily trying to win, at least from the, the perspective of the front office. And it just leads to an extension of those sloppy habits. And I thought there was a lot of that. There was a lot of giving up driving lanes, second effort plays, things along those lines that they got killed by. Right. And, and it kind of feels like when you play a team like the Orlando Magic, you're not really playing them. You're playing yourselves, right? Pretty, oh, pretty yeah. much because you're pretty much just working on what you wanted. Uh, we, we think of like the Lakers without LeBron and AD and playing all hard with this defense. And you think you just plug AD back and all that effort will be the same. But it's not really how like basketball works, right? Like now they know they have Anthony Davis back. They can kind of still they can kind of relax through the game. You, you saw the intensity was like especially when they went up big, it really relaxed there. Um, after they went up, I think 16, Orlando went on a, on a huge run. And then I think they outscored the Lakers, like what, 40 to 22 in the second quarter. And like Orlando just doesn't have the talent that should be able to do that. That was a lot of just lackadaisical effort, really lazy turnovers, right? Just throwing the ball away. I think they had 14 points off seven, seven turnovers, which I mean, you can't really do much more than that. Um, yeah. So like I was, I was thinking, what'd you guys think about, Gasol didn't play tonight right so obviously they're going through this like big man kind of rotation I guess just rotating bigs um in and out uh do you see that like next game maybe Gasol plays or do you think like Trez kind of will stay because I thought Trez played really well tonight I think this was a good game for him he kind of kept he kind of kept us in it I think when the when the lead when the Orlando started taking the lead do you think like next game it'll be uh probably Gasol back in there or how do you think Vogel kind of plays this going forward you can go ahead Omar so uh, I think Trez getting uh, a break, a game break, was pretty good for him. Uh, he seemed yeah. super, super energetic. And, and uh, like last few games, he seemed a little out of it. I don't know what it was. Like I didn't see the same amount of bounce from him like last few games. So him yeah. uh, sitting out that last Dallas game definitely helped us out today because he was really instrumental in that fourth quarter. Um, I don't know what we see in the next. So this next matchup is pretty interesting because it's the Wizards. And yeah. they, they're really they're really hot right now. I think they've won like their last like nine or 10 games. Um, mm-hmm. And I know, you know, you know, Westbrook and, and Beal, they, they love attacking the rim. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, Vogel game plans against that team. And um, I don't know who or which center that he's going to go with, but um, it'll be interesting to see for sure. I, at, at times I was thinking that Gasol may, may have been needed tonight, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad, uh, you know, Trez, uh, Played his played his game today. Well, I mean, we can safely assume that uh, there's certainly a chance that he'll play Marcus or Mark after what he said. What was it? I think it was last game. Might have been two games ago when uh, when they, when he benched Montrez and yeah. basically said like, "Hey, we're going to keep Mark fresh," you know. And and I don't know, I don't know if that's something they're going to do consistently. I don't know if they did that one time and hated it, but it's certainly something that you could see them doing. I thought it was interesting tonight that. He kind of went back to Drummond, but he waited till pretty late in the game. And mm-hmm. it's because it's because Trez was playing so well. 
And it kind of reminds me a little bit of last year where it was like, we got this rotation, you know, JaVale eventually fell out of it entirely. Uh, but there at the end, you know, you, you still had Marquise, you still had Dwight, you still had AD and LeBron and Kuzma all playing four or five minutes. And, uh, and basically they just rolled with who had it going. And, you know, we're going to, I'm sure we'll touch a little bit more on Kuzma uh, later, but like, it is something that Kuzma talked about after that last game. Like there's just kind of an understanding in the locker room that, you know, we're super deep and there are going to be games where we don't get to play. And it's just kind of part of the deal. And we all got to be professionals about it. There's no soul in the world that's going to have that happen to them and not be you know pissy about it. But the, uh, but at the end of the day, like it's, it's, it's part of, it's part of the problem that comes with their depth. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, I think we all agree that Drummond was not the best option tonight, but I, I do think it was interesting that, that Frank went to him at the end. And mm-hmm. I think part of the reason for that is, is like, you've got to, you've got to kind of keep him confident and stuff. Cause you're not going to, you're not going to mail it in on Drummond and give up before LeBron comes back. Right. Like you're going to at least see what that looks like. And so from that standpoint, like you just keep going to drum and you live through the mistakes and then you see if it works with LeBron. And if it doesn't, then you start considering other, you know, rotation options. But I I think they just have all these options and they just got to figure out how to use them. Yeah. And I said last game that like you should kind of uh, treat Drummond as JaVale from last year. I said that with our pod with Maples. Um, People saw him as the Dwight replacement, but I see him more as the, the JaVale replacement that beginning of the game. See if he has it. Um, he's a little bit more mobile than JaVale. He's just not the shot blocker that uh, JaVale is, obviously. But um, again, like tonight, <laughs> I saw the timeline kind of being mad at him. He was six for eight tonight. Like it, those two misses just feel really loud, though, right? Like it feels <laughs> like he had a, it feels like he had a worse game than he did. But he was actually he was six for eight tonight, eleven rebounds. Like he just produces, um, even when he's not playing well. He had thirteen points. So um, yeah, I would see him as like the JaVale guy, and then Mark would be the Dwight. I know he's not the same type of player, but I mean, just that defensive player of the year before um, guy, just really smart on the defensive end and then can help you on offense as well. So that's how I'd like, you know, people to see Drummond. But, you know, you see him starting and getting the start in minutes. It's very easy to kind of just assume that he's locked in to the rotation um, going into the playoffs. So I think I'm, I think that would be good. And then Kuzma, you kind of touched on him. Uh, I think he was a the game leading plus minus. Yeah, he was a he was. Oh, no, he was second. He was, I think plus it was shooter, right? Yeah, Schroeder was leading with a plus 23, and that kind of matches the tape to me. Both of them played really well. Kuzma, four threes. I mean, that was four for six from three. He had a, he had a great night, but I thought he was really good on defense, too. He was moving his feet, um, especially on switches, um, but but we got a lot from him and the backcourt. Uh, Schroeder's kind of taking it on himself, right? Like, I think even with AD back, um, would you guys agree? Like, you can see he's still aggressive. I think that was the best thing for me that I see from him. Uh, do you guys see that as well? Schroeder's staying aggressive even with AD back. It feels like he still feels like he has the mantle to the offense. Like he's still kind of taking over. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I definitely liked seeing that um, that he was just aggressive and he, and he kind of it kind of like the way he was playing was kind of evident of the way he played while AD and Braun were out. And mm-hmm. I, I like that he's sticking to that, especially when especially since AD is still getting his you know legs underneath him. Clearly, like his jumper is still going to be you know here and there, and he's still like getting in game shape. And I, I know I, I liked. The AD is getting his jumper back tonight. That was I liked seeing that, but I really like that. You know, Dennis is consistently applying pressure to the rim, uh, and it's mm-hmm. just going to continue to uh, open up so many opportunities for all our, all our guys. Even though we weren't hitting our shots tonight, um, you know, it's still going to be super helpful for for us. And and Dennis uh, doing that is really helpful. 
Dennis is flat out awesome. And he's been awesome for a while now. He really struggled at the beginning of the stretch and like, uh, but like he continues to just uh, uh, really kind of figure out how to generate quality offense with this specific group of, of supporting players. And obviously throwing AD into the mix just adds all this, this additional space for him to work with. Um, uh, but like, you know, it, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast uh, today, actually it was Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon. And he was talking about uh, Philly and how they had just dropped to um, uh, they had just dropped uh, two games to Milwaukee without Ben Simmons. But he was like, I'm actually more confident in the uh, 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 I'm actually more confident in the Sixers because of how well Matisse Seibel was playing. And there was one other guy I can't remember, but he's basically saying like, I'm just really happy with how well they're playing. So even though they lost, I'm actually more confident. That's kind of the way I feel about uh, uh, Dennis in particular um, and KCP. And I kind of talked about this a little bit with, with Maples and Raj in our last pod, but like, even though they dropped those two games against Dallas and here's another sloppy win and this game in Washington is going to be a tough one. Like I'm super confident in the team moving forward because Dennis is just a better player now than he was to start the season. He's really, really uh, confident in this offensive system. He's still an incredible defensive player and KCP is now every bit as good as he was in the bubble. And which was, you know, just a, what the third best player on the team uh, with how well they were playing. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I, I think like regardless of results here, and trust me, I, I actually think results do matter now as now that they're trying to fight for that five seed, which will give them a significantly easier path through the playoffs. But having Dennis playing so well, having KCP playing so well has to just give you a ton of confidence watching this team. Yeah, and I, I thought we really missed uh, KCP in the last game. Like, you could see the gap between him and, like, Ben Malcolmore, right, on the defensive mm-hmm. end especially. I thought that was really evident tonight. And then just his shot making, um, I think he went one for four from three tonight, if I'm right. But uh, he played really well. Uh, he had a good game. And, again, his defense, like, the way he can chase off guards, and he's a, he's much better off the ball as well than Ben Malcolmore, who I think also struggled. Uh, he, had, he was two for five from three. So, but yeah, I thought I thought they really missed his offense. I think we scored like 30 points in the second half against Dallas or something like that. It was something terrible. Um, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's good like to like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just, I mean, a team with Anthony Davis, Dennis Schroeder should not be scoring 30 points <laughs> in the second half. Even though I know AD was on a minutes restriction and all that. But uh, yeah, it was nice to see the team get a get back on the uh, winning ways and they play a really hot team. Uh, the the Wizards. Who I don't know. Do the Wizards play again until we play them? I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but, uh, yeah, they're playing sure. well. Anyway. Your question. Yeah. yeah the, uh, they're going to be an interesting challenge and they're, uh, they've actually defended a little bit better as of late. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so they're, they're not going to be anything like what we've seen early in the season and they're going to present a legitimate challenge for the Laker defense. But at the same time, like I'm, I'll be, uh, Omar mentioned this earlier. I'm interested to see how they attack them defensively because they, they're the type, they're a type of team. Um, that we could potentially see later on in the playoffs just with this like really good ball dominant guard who um, uh, who's going to use a lot of screen and roll two of them actually and they're they may end up having to do some trapping and recovering and I'm just interested to see if they're up for that challenge which as of late they haven't really been that focused so it'll be a good challenge for them so I just I just checked the score they just lost to the Spurs in overtime it was 146 to 143. So, <laughs> talk about defense. <laughs> they, I saw something. They were like in their last, uh, it was the last decent chunk of games. I can't remember what the exact chunk was. No, but I'm sure. Yeah. When you filter, when you filter out garbage time, they were like sixth in the league or something like that, which is crazy. But 
Um, and, well, and part of that too is like Russ, Russ always does like off season junk with his knees and always comes into the year, just like co- completely cooked and then just peaks at this time. I mean, he did it yeah, last yeah. year before he got hurt and now he's, you know, every bit as good as he usually is. And that's a, you know, a loose cannon, but he still has the, the capability of being really good. Um, what did you guys think of the LeBron announcement from Frank Vogel that he's still out indefinitely? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess that was kind of expected. I mean, like, I think Walsh came out and said he'd be ready by, like, next week, I think, as someone said. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Vogel's going to try to keep it, you know, as low expectation as possible. I think that's his job as a coach is try to not to try not to put some timetable on LeBron. Uh, but hopefully he can come back next week. I mean, LeBron posted, like, a video of himself. I think doing a suicide or running back and forth or something like that. So I, <laughs> so I think he's kind of like, he's, you could see him itching to play. I think there was also a video of like him shooting around without the ball or something like that, pretending to like shoot around. So um, yeah, I think that's Vogel's kind of job there is to make it kind of low expectation. Let, let LeBron kind of come out or let the medical staff uh, say when, when he'll be ready. Uh, but hopefully he'll be here soon. It's super yeah. strange to me. The Go ahead, Omar. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just gonna. I was just gonna echo what you were saying about that, uh, and and also to add to that, um, Vogel is super transparent with his, you know, with his players and, and his staff, and um, you know, appreciate that Vogel also steps up, you know, for his players and you know, is not applying pressure to, you know, LeBron or AD, whoever's out and injured, whatnot, um, to come back sooner than later. So that's that's all I was gonna say. So, you know, it's interesting to me that like uh, this whole process for him coming back from this ankle has been weirdly not transparent. Um, LeBron is usually very showy and very, um, you know, uh, like forthcoming with his workouts and all that kind of stuff. And like he's not even posting as many workout videos and stuff. And I, I haven't seen any video of him doing anything with the basketball. I've heard reports of him doing light shooting and I've seen the video of him jogging up and down the floor, but it is like weirdly kept close to the chest. And I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if that's for theatrical purposes or if that means that he's a little bit further behind than we all thought. I saw people microanalyzing the jogging thing. I didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think that was uh, released to be the jogging. I thought it was like, cause there was like a prayer going on in the background. I thought it was like kind of all of the theatrical stuff, but it's also a lot of trainers use uh, jogging as a warm up um, because it really gets your calves and your Achilles loose. Cause it's like a little bit more intense than running. It's less on your heels and more on your toes. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I tend to think that uh, if, if we've heard from somebody that he's going to come back during um, these next, you know, three or four games that that's probably what we'll see. My thing too, is if you look at the schedule, it's relatively easy in this next uh, three or four mm-hmm. games and, uh, the game, the games are, there's no back to backs. Uh, at least I don't think in the next three. Um, so from that standpoint, like now kind of seems like a perfect time to do it. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I think, uh, like as it was during this whole stretch, it'll come down to the standings. It's very, very important that the Lakers get the five seed in my opinion, because the five seed is what gives them the easiest path to the finals uh, to go through that injured Denver team and then to go through uh, either Phoenix or Utah and then to go through the Clippers in the Western Conference finals. So my guess is, you know, Dallas has a, a game tonight in Sacramento. If 
if Dallas drops a game to Sacramento tonight, um, you know, there's a decent chance that LeBron might even take it a, an extra game or two. Cause the, then at that point you're two and a half games up and it just gets a little bit more comfortable uh, with the seating. Right. And, and when he, when he comes back, like, did you guys watch the, I don't know if you guys heard the, the Boris Diaw kind of uh, interview on the Ringer podcast. Have you heard that? I know this hasn't really do with the game. I but. missed that one. I heard it was really good, but I haven't, I heard it, it was really good. I plan on listening to it. But I just haven't heard it yet. It was good. But like my favorite part was Boris Diaw saying like, it was easier to guard LeBron then, which is Miami heat LeBron, you know, like in peak uh, LeBron in his peak physical form than today, which is LeBron at what, 35 years old. So I thought that was kind of funny. And it kind of shows, again, like what the Lakers are missing, right? This this whole team is still built around LeBron James. Like I know Anthony Davis is a huge part of it, but still the whole identity is still built around LeBron and, and his shot creation ability. And it's really easy to kind of lose that. I think a uh, shout-out pickup who on Twitter said um, that LeBron's already missed more games this year than he did in 2019 with the groin, which is kind of shocking. Because right? it, yeah. it feels like it hasn't been that, because I remember that season as such a, a hell scope, especially after Christmas Day. I just remember – LeBron injury and then all of a sudden it fast forwards to like free agency so that that season kind of blurred out but uh yeah he's already missed more games than that which is which again I think is why they're going to be really careful with this uh with this uh high ankle sprain and and uh and I think as long as Dallas still stays a game behind I think they'll still take it slow that's why that loss was so huge the other day um but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if Dallas – Dallas has been playing up and down as well, right? I mean, they beat the Lakers twice, but they haven't been. They have some bad losses recently. It, yeah, exactly. So you can see how that can, I guess, persuade them to continue to keep kind of LeBron in a, in a rest mode here going forward. You know, it's interesting with uh, uh, with what you were saying about LeBron. We, we get so caught up because we've been watching this team for so long, this version of the team with right. Dennis Schroeder being the primary ball handler, that we forget that, like – this entire roster design was predicated on LeBron James setting up dudes for shots. And, you know, it's the one thing that gives me a little bit of peace of mind as it pertains to his athleticism. Like if you go watch LeBron in the bubble, he was absolute peaking. Like if you watch him against Denver creating shots, like he's just a step ahead, everybody and and peaking athletically. And obviously we prefer that, but he's, he's smart enough and he's big enough and he's strong enough that like, he can still kind of ease his way into things in almost like a de facto point guard type of role where he can put his back to the basket and use a lot of screens to just try to get the defense to commit one way or the other and just create open shots for his teammates that way. So I think it'll actually be a pretty easy transition getting back in. And like you said, like, I don't think, I think people are going to be kind of jarred by how, uh, how much, how much the shot quality for the entire team improves when they go back to the way they were originally structured in, uh, to play. Right. And then like, I just want to see him get at least the seeding game. And like, I think we got what, eight seeding games, right? Before, before the playoffs started. Um, I just want him to get back for at least eight games, which would give at least, I think tonight was their 13th game if I left, if I'm remembering correctly. I think they have 12. I, games I think, left. The, I think, I think it's 11 after tonight. So I think 11. Oh, it games is. Left. I think, I, I think I heard that in the broadcast, if I remember correctly. Uh, okay. Uh, 11 games. Back. So I guess three more games, I guess he can take off for me. I would like him to get at least the amount he got for the seeding games where he was able to ramp up and remember how terrible the Lakers looked during that time. And everyone was saying, Oh man, can LeBron turn it back on during the playoffs? And then he obviously did. So that that's where I would like to see him get back. I'm not really too worried. Um, I think the seeding will take care of itself. Uh, they should win enough now that Anthony Davis is off the minutes restriction. And you can see him get like more and more rhythm as the game goes on, right? Every game goes on. It felt like 
his defensive kind of uh, communication and all that with his teammates uh, really picked up. But the, the one with Drummond, well, he's going to have to work on that because the 80 squared, like, defensive coverage are really confusing. It's yeah. – uh, I I can see AD being lost like on the phone like what are we doing here like why is he here and why are you not you know like I could see those kind yeah, of communications yeah. and I think that's where they should build uh, as as we move on here yeah and I think that's yeah, the point just, of, go ahead yeah I was just I think that's the point of uh, of Drummond getting so many minutes like I think we just yeah. gotta kind of see how he fits and and uh, how AD fits and then eventually when LeBron gets back hopefully it is soon. Because uh, I'd like to see, uh, for my own sanity too, to see how they look before the playoffs. But how they all look and how we, you know the entire team will in- integrate together. We joked about uh, in the last pod about like how how crappy uh, the Laker passing has been out of pick and roll. And Dennis is Dennis to his credit has been has had some flashes where he's looked pretty good, but it's just like stuff's a little off target. You know, it's nothing's in the shooting pocket. Everything's a little sloppy. Like we're just used to watching LeBron just put those on the, on a dime uh, to the right spot every single time. And, and I think it's like, you know, I, I, I actually expected Ben McLemore's shot quality to get a little bit better with Anthony Davis, but it really hasn't like, he's still not getting great looks. You know what I mean? And I think, I think that will, uh, uh, get better in time. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it feels like part of ahead. that. Part of that is like he. Part of that for Ben McLemore, he's still not getting a lot of spot up opportunities. Like it's still exactly. on handoffs, and um, I mean he takes tough shots, which I I think is like a good and a bad thing for him. Like I like that he's an unconscious shooter. Like he doesn't need to be wide open to take the shot, but I think that also creates more variance. <laughs> like when he makes them, so and, and yeah. it's still like it's it's a lot of looks that aren't. He's not like standing in the corner after someone cheats on him right like it, it's it's a lot of like he's because that's the one shooter that they're not going to help off of it feels like like that's that's kind of what i saw tonight so most of his looks are coming off screens or getting off handoffs or you know tough shots for him that are off the move and he still shot two for five tonight uh, but again like it it just felt like his shots aren't aren't coming easy i, I agree with that you, you just said the most important thing a, a shooter a shooter never being open is actually a good thing even if he's not making yeah. shots it's just it's just organic spacing. And again, I touched on this at the beginning of the show, but like, it, it's crazy to see how the geometry of the floor has changed just with LeBron or excuse me, with AD coming back. And if, mm-hmm. if you watch it, just getting, you know, seeing uh, uh, Dennis Schroeder have all that space to navigate pick and roll with Drummond, you're going to see LeBron be doing the same thing. And it's, a, it's going to be really cool to see. And uh, again, like, I think, you know, I mentioned earlier that, uh, uh, actually said it on Twitter that Anthony Davis was some crazy cold streak from three. It was like four out of 36 dating mm. back to, uh, to January 13th. Um, I, I think that, uh, that he's going to start to see a little bit of teams leave him open a little bit. And I think that might help him get going at which point things will continue to even further open up uh, for everybody. Yeah, uh, does I, anybody want to hop up on here and speak with us? Um, I'll be checking the speaker request here in a minute. Oh, uh, Raj, do you want to start going through the comments? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see here. Um, Dennis only two shot Jeremiah Noyonda, if I said that right. Dennis with two turnovers in 38 minutes. It feels like he's really like got the turnovers down. Right, that's we have kind of moved moved over here. I forgot which game it was that he had like a whole bunch of turnovers, but it feels like he's really controlled that since then. And he's been like the real like he, I love that he's shown as like the leader 
on offense still. I talked about this earlier, even with AD back, you can just see him kind of still controlling the game, picking his spots at the right time, staying aggressive the whole time. But like, do you guys see that as well? His turnovers have really dipped. It feels like his passes are a lot smarter. Um, he doesn't yeah. really, he doesn't really try all those like wild kind of forays to the rim and then just throwing it out. Yeah, I think it was the Miami game, which was kind of uh, yes. They're like the perfect roster to trap. They're like the Lakers, where they can just you know they can throw like a kitchen sink at you and trap, especially smaller guards like Dennis Schroeder, and uh, force so many turnovers. And that's what they did. And I think ever since then, uh, you know, he's really ratcheted that up, and you know, just been super smart with the ball, um, and not be careless. And at the same time. Um, He's just kind of learned, you know, uh, to be effective uh, as as the games have gone by. So in a way, you know, with LeBron and AD been out, like Dennis has been super, super effective. Yeah, and he is exuding a confidence as of late that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's trash talking these other guards, too. And that yeah. kind of started a little bit with the Kyrie game. Um, but like. You know, we, we, the intel on Shooter coming out, and I actually was someone who was not anti-Shooter. I just preferred someone in the, in the Spencer Dinwiddie type of role because I thought the Lakers were missing a little bit of a uh, kind of like a, a, a more like detailed shot creator, like someone who was a little bit more polished uh, out on the wing. And they went for Dennis Schroeder. And, you know, after I kind of got on board with that and you start talking to everybody who rooted for him last year, it was like, Dennis is a freak competitor. You know, Chris Paul loved this guy. He defends like crazy. Like you can count on him to go to war with you, all that kind of like cliche stuff. And uh, honestly, like it's been great. And that's every bit of that has been true. And for the record, like, you know, he really struggled with this first stretch when LeBron and AD got out and, and Raj and I, from the beginning, we were saying to everybody, like, this is normal. He's adjusting to new levels of defensive attention. He's still creating quality shots for his teammates just by diverting this attention. Don't pay too much attention to the stats. And ironically, like he's actually kind of superseded that even a little bit. And he's been very effective in his box score numbers uh, while being the guy who's faced the, 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 the lion's share of the defensive attention. And, uh, and you're right, Raj, like he just, even with AD back, it's like, yeah, dude, you're you're one of the top five players in the world, but we're you know I'm running this thing, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> right. bizarre. But he's but I mean like like he's been that good, like he's been that good for for a while now, and and he's shown a a willingness to pass that he didn't even really have uh, last year. If you if you I dove into a lot of his playmaking stuff with OKC, and yeah, he was okay. Um, wasn't necessarily a strength. Um, but he's been, he's taken a leap as a passer this year. And, and that's been really cool to see. And that, that, that could be some LeBron stuff too. Like just helping to learn how to see the, the pick and roll a little bit more as a passer, as opposed to just a, a dribble drive attacker. Yeah. And, and with, uh, even with AD back, like the, the shot creation is still going to come from him. Right. Other than like giving the ball to AD in the post, it's pretty much going to be ball screen action with him or in KCP off screens. And he got 18 shots up tonight which I think it's because when you run a screen roll with Drummond, most bigs are going to drop coverage that, right? Because Drummond's not a threat from the mid-range. It's pretty much at the rim. So it, it kind of opens up to the shot he wants, which is that little dribble mid-range pull-up. And I like that he's starting to take that even more. I feel like that's been there for a while. He just wasn't taking it for some reason. So, um, yeah, it's good to see him uh, stay aggressive. And I hope this stays when – well, obviously it can't be the same when 
LeBron comes back because LeBron's going to take the majority of that ball handler kind of uh, responsibilities. But again, he's going to be able to uh, attack a uh, already um, compromised defense, which I think will make him even more dangerous. And it's why I like those lineups, Schroeder, LeBron, and AD lineups were killing in the beginning of the season, even with AD kind of walking through the regular season. So, um, but yeah, uh, if anyone wants to come up here, um, please don't be shy. Uh, come up. You don't. You can just bring give your opinion on the game, uh, give an idea, anything that you're thinking of. You can ask literally anything about anything. That's the whole point of us doing this locker room thing. We want you guys to hop up here and talk with us. So, like Rod said, don't be shy. <laughs> uh, okay, let's. Let me see. I'll keep going to the chat as uh, as while we wait for that. Um, Evan says uh, LeBron did a layup at the end of the jogging video, which I I guess I I missed that part, but uh, I there guess must he, be a full version did. of it out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Alex says uh, Mark should start, and then Andre Trey should play based on the matchup. Um, yeah, I, I guess we kind of discussed this, but it feels like that's what it's going to be for the playoffs, right? Probably um, all three of those are going to be matchup dependent. You guys agree? Like going to the playoffs is probably going to be AD at the five, and then whatever five they think matches up with the like. If it's Jokic, it's probably Gasol, or you know, like would you guys agree with that uh, going to the playoffs there? Yeah, yeah like I, I uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry, no, I was just going to say it's going to be pretty much. Uh, Match up I think uh, Vogel's pretty much confirmed that that they're going to use three of their centers depending on, you know, matchups and and rotations and all that. Um, go ahead, Jason. Every team has their like go-to playoff adjustment. I remember with the Warriors, it used to always be Andre Iguodala is going to start. Like they would always do it halfway through the series or whatever it was. It was kind of like their ace in the hole. And the Lakers have kind of already had that with an AD at the five. But I think uh, uh, starting Marcus All and or playing Marcus All more. Uh, is going to be one of their big ones to go to just because, you know, when you get into these playoff series, they become such a chess match. And for whatever it's worth, like Drummond, he brings value, but he's not really a chess match type of player. And uh, 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 having Marcus Saul as an option to throw in as a wrinkle into a playoff series when you need to get something going, whether you're down 2-1 or you just lost game three and you're up 2-1 or whatever it is, and you just need to get a different look, from a position that's been hurting you in a series, like that's where Marcus all is just a, a huge weapon. And like, I, I have to believe that even with him kind of mostly falling out of the rotation, that that's been the type of conversations that LeBron and Frank and AD have been having with him. Just like, Hey dude, like we are literally going to need you. So I like, yes, you're getting the short end of the stick right now, but like, we're going to need you stay ready. Mm-hmm. Like we're, when we get this trophy, it's going to be because you stepped in and helped us big time in a big moment. You know what I mean? Right. For sure. Uh, Omar, you more, more, that? Yeah. I was just going to say more importantly, we're, we're going to need you when it matters. Right. Right now it's, it's mm-hmm. not as important. And I think for the most part, you know, from what you're saying, Jason, I think LeBron and AD and, and the rest of the team kind of know, they, they know what we have in Gasol. You know, he's high in IQ. He's an excellent ceiling uh, raiser um, for the team. And he's just going to, you know, go out there and play smart. And that's what you want in, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. For, for sure. And I really like this question. I, I want to hear what you guys have to think. Shout out Irmo, Selly, Ibozale. I hope I didn't butcher that too bad. Um, which which of uh, Ben, uh, which I'm guessing is Macklemore, THT and Wes gets more playoff minutes? Because we know the backup guard in playoffs is going to be Caruso. So, would you guys think? Uh, I guess I'll start with you, Omar. Uh, Malcolm or THT or Wes, who do you think gets more uh, minutes in the playoffs? 
so I think uh, Wes uh, would get more playoff minutes. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and of course, it would depend on the matchup too. But I think Wes just brings a uh, tremendous amount of uh, impact to the defensive end. Uh, THT, I think, you know, he can be sprinkled in here and there, uh, depending yeah. on, you know, if there's minutes to go by. Um, and Ben, Ben's definitely going to be a, a special tool tool to use, like if we need, you know, additional spacing or if, you know, KCP's shooting's not going too well. But I could definitely see Wes uh, being used more just because, you know, he brings that unique skill set, especially for, you know, defending those wings that we may be facing in the postseason. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd go with Wes. Yeah, I think a big part of that's going to be, uh, you know, how well Ben's shooting and whether or not there's anything to be had with THT. Because, I mean, look, like if T- like THT had another, like, absolute superstar play tonight, that one where he had it in the corner and he kind of did the in-and-out cross and then did the quick split and then uh, finished the reverse layup on the other side. Like, he, if, if he, he continues to show this, like, flash kind of, like, star-type potential, if he continues to uh, show value as they get into higher leverage moments, he's going to play. And if he does, then that complicates everything. But... My guess is that if if Ben's shooting is inconsistent and if THT uh, uh, continues to make a lot of mistakes, kind of like young guy mistakes, I think you're just going to see a whole lot of, of Wes and KCP and Dennis and Alex Caruso, just because they're you know what they are, you know they're they're dependable, they're predictable, and and like Omar said, it's matchup specific. Like Wes just gives you another weapon to throw at the bigger, stronger wings that we have in the league right now, which they're very well might have to go through like uh, <laughs> like uh, like two straight rounds at the end with the Western conference finals and the finals where that's going to be such an important piece. And so I'd like, everything is about having these chess pieces. And we talked a lot about that in the last pod, but like the Lakers just have all these chess pieces that they can play and they have all these different, you know, uh, uh, attack angles they can go with and they can audible out of stuff. And a lot of teams don't have that. A lot of teams, it's like they're a one-trick pony, and if you solve that trick, they're in big trouble. If you figure out how to, you know, make Donovan Mitchell make a ton of bad decisions, and all of a sudden their three-point shot quality goes down, they don't really necessarily have another option. I mean, what are you going to do? Force feed Bogdanovich in the post? Like, I'm sorry, but the other the other wings in the West are just better than him at that. So it's like there's just not as many options for some of these other teams in the West, the Lakers have all these wrinkles that they can throw at you and, uh, and kind of keep you off balance. Yeah. I think it's going to be key to if like Macklemore can defend uh, enough. I think he's a specialist as a shooter, um, but uh, his off ball defense is really kind of troubling for right now. But uh, yeah, with like THT, I always say he's kind of playing LeBron's role right now, right? Like he's kind of being that backup kind of shot creator with the second unit uh, or even like taking shooters role. Um, I think the playoffs that we, obviously a lot less with LeBron and Schroeder taking most of the ball handling responsibilities. So, um, but his minutes will, I mean, he, he has, he has the potential to, to, to play more. I mean, if he's, if he has it going, he's able to attack the rim and his jumper is going, but I think he'll be the one with the most variance in minutes. I think Wes and, and Malcolm Moore would definitely um, eat up the majority of those um, backup, backup guard minutes. And like you said, Jason, they just have a bunch of players they can pull in. Um, everyone's kind of going to play their role. So whoever's going at that night, he uh, can kind of pick, kind of choose the right buttons to play um, on a nightly basis. Yeah, you could ch- you could choose a rotation that has no Kyle Kuzma and they'd be every bit as good. You could choose a rotation that have no centers or doesn't play Markeith and they'd be every bit as good. I mean, even if you took, like, like Schroeder's probably the only one that, 
like uh, because of his ability to defend and create shots out of switches that like the Schroeder uh, and AD and LeBron are the core three guys that need to be engaged in whatever rotation in order for the, uh, the, the team to have the same ceiling, but everyone else is pretty interchangeable. And I think, I think that's just a huge, a huge asset to have um, uh, in the long run of a playoff run. For sure. Uh, Rob Jr. says, do you guys think this injury for LeBron was a blessing in disguise since he didn't, he doesn't like to miss games and he would have had to carry uh, so much for two months while AD was out. He says, I know he's Superman, but carrying a heavy load all regular season and trying to be what he is in the playoffs might not have been ideal. I've kind of started to feel that way. I mean, uh, last year people are saying that it's been LeBron's never had the chance to get, you know, that many months off, but that was due to kind of COVID um, that many months off and then be able to start the playoffs all fresh. Um, do you guys see that same kind of thing happening this year? I know high ankle sprain is not the way you want to miss games, but kind of that forced uh, off season, right? The 71 day off season that everyone brings up um, AD got his off season. <laughs> LeBron, I guess is getting his now. Um, do you see that kind of uh, being a blessing in disguise um, for, for the team? Uh, Omar, I'll start with you. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I kind of I kind of think that. I mean, it kind of brought up you know some uh, positives, right? If you look at the past few weeks, um, mm-hmm. you know the one true calling card that we've been able to hang our hats on is, has our has been our defense, and we've been like top five without LeBron and AD, and that's something that's credit to the players uh, and Vogel and the coaching staff, and then. In addition, we've talked a lot about Dennis Schroeder, but I think he's really uh, stepped up in this unique, you know, situation where he's kind of, um, you know, catapulted himself as a better playmaker. Uh, he's super confident, you know, because of that, you know, stretch that we've, we're seeing that now. So in a way, it is, and I think we will get a, you know, pretty well rested uh, LeBron because I think Jason, I think you might have said in the last locker room, I think you had some. Um, there's a guess or a theory of yours, but LeBron, if if it was like a more of a you know desperate situation, I think he would have been back by now already. But um, and I think I kind of agree with that. I think if if it was if needed, I think LeBron would have been back. But I think it's kind of beneficial that he's been just resting and and um, you know that's definitely helpful. But I think we'll we'll, we'll see how he he comes in with his rhythm in um, those you know uh, when he joins the back of the team. You know, the only one who knows the answer to this question is LeBron. And yeah, like I have my theories that, that he's fine more or less. Uh, the high ankle sprain is, is, uh, is a tricky injury in the sense that it's kind of a pain tolerance thing. And there are a lot of examples of guys coming back from high ankle sprains pretty fast. Um, although we don't necessarily know, uh, uh the way his severity compares to some of those. Uh, however, LeBron's one of those. LeBron's either sitting on his couch right now, literally thinking like, like, you know, this is awesome. I get some time off. This is great. I feel hundred percent confident that I'm going to be, you know, peaking. Uh, it's very possible that that's one of the reasons why he's been so behind the scenes with his recovery here is maybe he's athletically in amazing shape and maybe he's trolling us by jogging up and down a basketball court, you know, and, and then he plans on coming back, you know, rested and just ready to go. Or maybe it's worse than it looks like that's the tricky thing is we just don't know. And I think we'll know pretty quickly when he comes back, not about the, uh, uh, you know, the way he looks for, in terms of his polish, because I expect him to be extremely unpolished to start. A lot of turnovers, a little bit uh, funky with the handle, a little bit funky with the jumper. Um, but I expect him, uh, the, the biggest thing for us to keep an eye on is just the way he looks physically. It, you, you just know. It's like, 
when we watched that Clippers game, the first game in the bubble, if you remember, LeBron was sloppy. It was an absolute nightmare of a game in terms of the aesthetics. Uh, but he had that crazy driving dunk in the first half where Kawhi just kind of ripped down on his arms and he just went up through it and dunked it. And then he beat everybody to a loose ball at the end of the game and made a game winner. And it was kind of like, okay, like LeBron, LeBron, LeBron's still LeBron physically, which is all we needed to, to keep an eye on. So I have my theories, you know, we have all these different potential outcomes, but I think we're going to find out pretty quick just based on how he looks athletically when he comes back. For, for sure. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring Michael up uh, here. Uh, I think he requested. <clears throat> What's going on, Michael? Hey, what's going on, guys? How y'all doing? Good. How are you? Hey, Michael. Thanks for hopping on with us, man. <sighs> no problem. No problem. So I have a question. Um, and let me preface this with saying that he's going to be important in both series, like highly important in my opinion. But um, I've been thinking on this. What do y'all, what is you, you guys' opinions on uh, Schroeder's importance? Do you think he's going to be more important in a series against Brooklyn or against the Clippers? And I lean Brooklyn, uh, mainly because of, uh, like, you know, d- defensively against uh, Kyrie and attacking switches. But I can see a situation or, you know, a scenario in which he is absolutely vital, even offensively, against the Clippers, especially in the non-LeBron minutes, attacking, you know, drop coverages with against uh, Zubox and uh, Surge. So I, just, I was just wondering what, y'all, what y'all's thoughts were on that. I think he, I think he's making his paycheck against Brooklyn. Um, I, that's not to say he's not going to be important against the Clippers. Like I said earlier, he's going to be, you know, the third most important piece in their rotation behind LeBron and AD. But the thing with Brooklyn is he's uniquely capable of making Kyrie work hard and he's uniquely capable of attacking a switching defense against the Clippers. Yeah. Like they have Zubach and they're going to, they're going to play him to some extent. There's going to be some drop coverage. There's going to be some uh, pick and roll, but they're also going to be doing a lot of switching. And uh, they're going to be doing a lot of switching with a lot of wings. And then there's also the problem with him getting attacked on the other end in switches against Paul George and Kawhi, which is something that I've been, you know, not complaining about, but being wary about all season long. Just how do you do? Uh, and there, there have been some examples this year where teams have attacked Dennis uh, in switches with bigger, stronger wings. And that's just a much bigger problem with the Clippers than it is against Brooklyn. Like Brooklyn's going to be that series where if the Lakers win, Dennis is going to be incredible, in my opinion. Yeah, I I, I think the same thing, Jason. I think uh, in that net series, and we saw it uh, in in the previous game this uh, the season, but he has that unique ability to uh, with his foot speed to stay in front of Kyrie, be a constant pest, uh, pick him up full court. Um, and be a defensive menace. And then at the same time, you know, they they run that Mike D'Antoni defensive switching uh, scheme where he's just going to take the ball, uh, bring out DeAndre Jordan or uh, Claxton, and he has that foot speed to get to the basket. And if they if, if the paint collapses, there's going to be plenty of players to, uh, you know, kick it or dump it off to. So I think he's going to definitely make his uh, money's worth in that net series. So, so I think he'll be important in the net series, but the reason I would lean into the Clippers is because we didn't get to, I don't even think, we got one healthy matchup, right, this year, but I think uh, it was that was ring night. And LeBron and AD kind of, I don't think they're really going that hard. But if you remember last year, the Clippers ball pressure a lot. 
and they ball pressure LeBron all game because they have the wings to do it. Kawhi, Paul George, even Pat Beverly. And then last yeah, year it's it a be- fatigue game. Exactly. So at the end of the game, LeBron is tired, right? And that's where I think Schroeder will really help. You can't just ball pressure Dennis Schroeder 40 feet every night uh, the whole time, right? So it kind of gives LeBron a break. And I think that would be huge for him. And then you add in the defense and, and what he can do on the offensive end against a big like uh, Zubac and all that. But that's why I think he'll be more key against the Clippers, in my opinion, because the Nets aren't going to do that. Nets are just going to switch everything. They kind of play straight up um, defense. Kyrie is not going to be <laughs> ball pressuring Dennis Schroeder uh, 40 feet all game. And that's where I get I get kind of the where I would think his biggest um, contribution will be is giving LeBron a break on the ball. Right, because in the playoffs you want LeBron kind of creating every shot, but if he has to bring it up every time against ball pressure, that that's really tiring against, like you said, Jason, the wings that they have um, on on the Clippers. That's a really good point, Raj. Like they they used Rondo as the pressure release valve last year, right? And he was just so inconsistent and kind of maddening to to root for. <laughs> um, <laughs> but having Having Dennis, which is just a far more, uh, and I think it's, I think it was Rondo's like unpredictability that made it hard, you know, because one day he was this ultra aggressive three point shooter who, you know, would, you know, take six or seven threes in a game. And then the next day he's like staring at him and just refusing to even take him. And, uh, and then, you know, he, there would be games where he was picking defenses apart, like a high level point guard. And then another game where he's, overdriving and overpassing and refusing to shoot at the rim and all of these other things. Well, Dennis just gives you a much more consistent, predictable option there. Uh, and, and then also like Rondo was arguably their worst defender on a lot of nights. And then there were other games where he was great, but uh, uh, having Dennis there um, just a massive two way upgrade over Rondo as a pressure release valve is just a, is, is just a huge asset to have. I, I think that was an interesting point. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Michael, uh, 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 I was just going to say, I think the dynamic that's going to, if we get to that series between the two, is just going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, Rondo's been the guy that's been there and he's done that. And, but Schroeder is just hyper competitive and gets under your skin. And I'm, I'm, I might be wrong, but didn't Rondo get thrown out of a game against the Lakers? Um, he, he did this with the year? Hawks. He was on yeah, the Hawks. With the Hawks, yeah. whenever uh, he got into it, Schroeder, didn't he? All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I just think the dynamic between them in that series. So I think he's, the Clippers are going to, you know, really rely on Rondo for better or for worse, kind of like we did last year, and let the chips fall where they lie. But you know, I just it's just an interesting, interesting dynamic. I think, and I, I, Schroeder's obviously the better player, but um, I think it'll be fun to watch just on a personal gotta, level. I, I got to eat some crow on the Rondo stuff. He looks good with with the Clippers, and I think. I think it's just a simple, you know, age-old basketball proposition having to do with uh, meshing different skill sets. And and Rondo is just really redundant with LeBron. And part of that was Frank's vault, uh, fault because he never staggered them the way they were supposed to. Remember mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season, they would start Rondo. And it was like Rondo <laughs> and LeBron and everything was like super like clunky. Um, so uh, there's, some of that was Frank's fault for not staggering them. Um, but it just, he was never a great fit with LeBron because there was a redundancy there and, and, and Rondo's just a terrible off ball player. Um, and so given, uh, although he had some moments in the playoffs as a cutter and, and, and I'm not going to, you know, he's a smart player. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to undersell him too much here, but he very much has proven me wrong with the Clippers just in the sense that he has been a nice, uh, a slide in fit that said in a playoff series with the Lakers, or really anybody for that matter. I'm not terribly concerned if the offense is being run through Rondo. 
I think he helps them a little bit. He's an upgrade over what they've had. It's better than Reggie Jackson. But, like, I like my chances if Rondo at his age and with his inconsistency is the guy that's making all your decisions. Yeah, yeah, man, they're sure. getting playoff. They're getting playoff Rondo, man. This is ridiculous. I, I'm watching these Clippers games. He's like, <laughs> really he's not. like, he's like defending well, and he's he's like um, paying attention off ball and getting steals. I'm like, bro, where was this last year? Like, you made it until for us. In the I know. Season. Yeah. Oh, well. He yeah, was the most maddening player I've ever rooted for in my life. Like it was awful. It was it was <laughs> it was unbelievable having to watch a team with championship aspirations just willingly shoot themselves in the foot every night by playing him as much as they did um, in the weirdest lineups. <laughs> he ruined Kyle Kuzma last year. <laughs> Troy or Trey Young and Lloyd Pierce are sitting on their couch at home wondering where where the hell this guy was. <laughs> <laughs> That's true too. That's true. Uh, I appreciate you, Michael. Get All right, no problem. Michael, have a good one, man. Appreciate hey, I really appreciate it. you appreciate uh, not it, being signed, coming to hang out, man. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all take appreciate it easy. It. Appreciate yep. it. All right, let's see. Uh, Sasha, can you hear hear me? Uh, yes. What's going on, man? What's up, Sasha? Hey, What's up, guys? Um, I have a question. Uh, as far as like, because this roster had such a pretty big turnover from last year. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And let's assume that obviously LeBron and AD is healthy and everyone is pretty healthy. What do you guys see as potential closing lineups? We're talking about like the lineup of death, sort of like the go-tos and then like the big version, like where they're going big with it and the smaller version. So, yeah, that's the question. I think, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, in high leverage moments, a lot of AD at the five with LeBron. And then Schroeder and KCP, and then based on who's playing the best, uh, you'll slide someone in there in that five spot. If, if Kuzma has been, uh, he made a few more threes today. What do you make four threes tonight? Like he's he's yeah. back he's back up. I think he's around like thirty six percent from three with his release and with how tall he is. That's that's pretty consistent or pretty uh, valuable with their spacing. And so uh, my guess is it would end up being Kuzma. But there are a bunch of different options you could throw in there. You could go crazy with shooting with Ben McLemore. You could go with a, a great wing defender and Wesley Matthews. They'll have options there, but with as well as Kuzma has been shooting the ball uh, and just with the, the crazy length of that front line of having a 6'9 Kuzma, 6'9 LeBron, and, and then Anthony Davis at the five, I think, I think that would be like their best closing lineup in my opinion. How about you, Omar? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of agree with that. Um, that's that was the only player I would probably toss in is maybe Markeith Morris. Uh, he, he's been playing pretty well uh, this season, and, and he was excellent in the bubble. Um, so I think I would just interchange possibly Markeith and Cruz. But I like Dennis and Cruz at the as the the guards, and then uh, Ad and Braun at the five and four. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I guess for me, like it's LeBron, Ad, and maybe Caruso like and then from there I feel like everyone else is kind of interchangeable like with the matchups and size of Dennis has it going then he'll close but LeBron AD and like one really good defensive guard whether that's Schroeder or Caruso and then from there you just plug and fill whatever you need um I, I don't think this team will get like like a lot of teams have their closing five that have hundreds of minutes together I don't think this team will have that they just didn't get the chance um, but, uh, like even last year though, they didn't get very many minutes at the five, right. With AD. And then that's pretty much what they went to with the closing lineups and even starting games with, uh, in the playoffs. So I think, I think that's the main thing. And Vogel, again, he's gained like the trust to kind of pick and choose, uh, players from there and not have to stick with one 
uh, closing lineups that a lot of teams will have to uh, in the playoffs. Like we said earlier, like we've been pounding uh, all night long, the the Lakers have a spacing uh, uh, you know repertoire that they can go to that they just didn't used to have. That was their biggest flaw last year. Um, they had a lot of inconsistent shooters uh, playing at the guard position, and basically KCP was their only decent shooting guard. Um, and then they had two centers that couldn't shoot. And this year, they just have all these options they can go to. And as long as you stick, you know, someone of KCP's caliber in the opposite corner, and KCP in the strong side corner, or whatever it is, and as long as you can put someone on the other wing that can knock a shot down that LeBron AD pick and roll or uh, any sort of LeBron or AD isolation out of pick and roll and switches just becomes 50 times more effective. Spacing is the, is the greatest weapon for a driving uh, or any sort of basket attacking basketball player. And I I think like, you know, like I like that argument I had earlier with somebody on Twitter uh, talking about the Drummond signing. It's like, I don't think this roster has a hole anymore. And Mm -hmm. they used to have a hole in wing defenders but with Wesley Matthews and then Markeith, who's lost some weight and is just a lot more mobile and and just a lot more serviceable as a wing defender now, they have they've got like five wings you could throw at people: Kuzma, LeBron, Wesley, Markeith, and Anthony Davis. Like that's 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 not a weak point anymore on the roster. This roster is really really well put together, and uh, Rob Polinka deserves a ton of credit. For sure, this is the deepest Lakers roster um, like I've seen. Uh, I don't know if they'll win. I don't know if they had the, the chemistry or all that to do that. But there's just in terms of talent, they have that. That's why just getting healthy is uh, so so key. But yeah, their closing yeah. lineups will be probably AD at the five, likely right, and then uh, well maybe with Drummond. But I think most lineups will still probably carry AD at the five when when things really go down. And then you'll have LeBron at the four, and then from there they can pick and pull like like Jason was saying. Yeah. Did you guys see in the comments that the the Kings are blitzing the Mavericks to start the game? Although it's yeah, a little better now, twenty three eleven. By our luck, they'll be like tied by halftime. So I'm not trying to check oh, the score yeah. on that. <laughs> Scoreboard <laughs> watching sucks. I, I hate it. I hate it. You have yeah. to go and look for every, especially when LeBron and AD were out. Right, you're looking at almost yeah. every West team and having having yep, them lose yep. was no fun. <laughs> I I still cannot overstate how fortunate the Lakers would be if they ended up in that five seed like you if you would have told us before that AD would have waited this long to come back and that with 11 games left LeBron still wouldn't be back what are the odds that you would say that the Lakers would have an easy not an easy but a relatively easy first round opponent and then get to wait to play the Clippers till the West Finals like that's that's just like I cannot it's going to be so uh, such an ideal outcome for a terrible hand of cards if they end up getting right. a five seed. And I'm just not worried about LeBron's an amazing road playoff player and the Lakers have fans that travel. It's just not as much of a concern for them. Yep. And that basically be home court in the Western Conference Finals, which is hilarious. Yep. Good man going into the five seed. <laughs> That'd be funny. Uh, I'm going to bring up Irma Selly here. Yo, can you hear me? Yo, what's up? What's going on? Yeah, um, I just wanted to ask about um, Kuzma. Like, are we confident about Kuzma being like a primary defender in like a Clippers series? Because I remember the first game, I think Vogel used him as like a primary option on PG and mm-hmm. Kawhi at times. So, are you guys confident about like Kuzma being a good defender in a Clippers series? Uh, Omar, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm comfortable with Kuzma uh, being a primary defender as long as, you know, this team defensively is one of the best help and recover teams so 
um, you know, we do a really good job not leaving our players on an island. Uh, so if Kuzma is on a, you know, one-on-one matchup with either Kawhi or PG, um, I can see, I can definitely see us, you know, sending a hard double with, uh, Caruso or, or Dennis or whatnot. And then, you know, we just rotate our asses off. Um, so for sure, I think, you know, Kuzma has definitely stepped up like positionally and, and the way he uses his length and body. Uh, but you know, I, I'd be fine with it. I'd be fine with Kuzma being there if, if that's, you know, the given matchup. I think he's his progression as a defender has been really interesting because like he used to be super susceptible to shifty players because he just had bad principles like his feet were always popping off the ground. So he would be, you know, any sort of crossover, any sort of shifty move would kind of catch him off balance. And he's what he's figured out is that his athleticism is not his strength on defense. It's his length and his size in his uh, ability to be a positional defender. Like there's all these different types of defenders, right? Like Wesley Matthews is like this ball pressure, hands-on super physical defender. Whereas like Kyle Kuzma, if he's going to be hands-on and up in your business, he's going to get toasted every time. He's just not uh, laterally quick enough. And, and Kuzma has identified a way through trial and error by getting roasted and having Lakers Twitter talking a bunch of trash about him and, and, and all the, you know, all of the, the growing pains of uh, becoming a veteran basketball player. He's just turned into a guy that knows how to use his body to defend. And like Omar said, like everything's about trusting, you know, trusting the back line of your defense as well. And knowing that, Hey, if you mess up and you give up a straight line drive, all you got to do is stay focused and find the next rotation. Someone's going to cover for you, but you now have to cover for them. And that's been the Lakers MO all season for two years. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you guys hit it on the head. Like it, he's become a much better one-on-one defender, especially on wings, right? And I think the Clippers are a good team for that. Um, they don't have that many guards that will kind of take you off. It's mostly Paul George, Kawhi, right, or Rondo, who shouldn't really be able to attack you. But Kuzma's become a really good like team defender. He gets like blocks, weak side blocks. Um, he's in the right place when he's helping. He knows when to help and recover. Um, he's part of why the Lakers are able to trap, right, and then kind of get get back to shooters and at the right time because he's really improved at that. And he's talked about that as well. Um, becoming a better team defender but yeah i like him as a wing defender um he's not much of a he still gets beat off the dribble a lot against guards but that's expected uh but his first man his first two years like i remember watching games back when we had luke walton as the coach and i'm not saying it was luke's fault but Kuz like didn't have a defensive stance like it was just like he was just hopping around skipping and now he gets in like he gets low he moves his feet he slides his feet he knows how to kind of he knows how to cut people off so yeah i'm comfortable with him as a wing defender paul george is gonna cook a lot of people same with Kawhi, but he at least makes it tough he doesn't get beat to the rim makes him shoot over the top so i'm, I'm comfortable with him as a defender uh, yeah uh, sorry also um marquise like are we concerned about his three-point shooting because i think he's been in, like really bad slump for like past two weeks three weeks so like are we comfortable about his shooting or what I'm not worried about it. I think that, uh, like I've always said, the shot quality is a big part of slumps. And, you know, uh, Mark, you've got it going for a while. And he's become, you know, a guy that you have to be uh, attached to. And I think I think when you look at scouting reports from uh, last year compared to this year, I think teams are a lot more aware of Marquise shooting. And it's a matter of respect. And his shot quality has dipped a little bit, and it's caused him to – uh, to go into a little bit of cold spell. But as I've always said, um, you know, at the end of the day, when LeBron and AD are engaged with Dennis Schroeder on offense in a playoff series, teams are going to have to d- divert a ton of attention to them. And everyone who's playing in those other two spots or other three spots, uh, depending on the lineup, 
they're going to have incredibly high quality shots. And that's what we learned from last year's playoffs. And I think it's going to be, I, I, uh, I trust Marquise to knock down shots when it matters. He's not one of the guys I'm worried about. He, he's he's one guy where his shot, well, I think you touched on it, his shot quality is going to go up so much next to LeBron and AD, right? Like right now, a lot of his shots that I see are like late clock. They swing to him and he takes it with a hand in his face. Um, but man, he, he really carried the team when they didn't have much offense, like his like mid-range game and being able to post him up. So I, I give him a pass for right now. I think someone said he's struggling since he missed that one game, but um, he played really well when they needed him to. And uh, I think right now he's going through a slump, but again, his shot collect, shot, shot selection and shot quality should should improve as as uh, LeBron and AD gets more comfortable here. It's uh, a matter yeah. of spacing too. They have to guard him. That that and right. It, it's spacing and it, like everything is. We Raj and I always talk about the waterfall effect. Like there there is a uh, a, a clear uh, improvement in the way Dennis Schroeder has been playing, and I think it's because there for a while, like he was uh, uh, he was succumbing to defense attention that was thrown his way. And he's improved so much as a passer in the last couple of weeks that he's kind of reversed the gravity away from him. And it's allowed, it's allowed him to get easier shots for himself. And it's all, it's all relative, right? Like if you're either going to take away Dennis and give up a bunch of shots, or you're going to take away all the shots and Dennis is going to go off. That's just the, the trade-off with elite defense. When you've got a guy uh, like Dennis, who's capable of creating his own shot. Yep. Uh, I'll bring up, uh, I think the last speaker request was Rob, so I'll bring him up. What's up, Rob? Uh, Rob. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yep. yeah I can hear you. Okay. Uh, before I ask hey, my Rob. question, uh, hey, before I ask my question, I just want to say uh, the Kings, who apparently have the worst defense of all time, uh, have the, the Mavericks to 17 points in the first quarter. But um, <laughs> my my question was, uh, what did you guys think about Genie's top five most uh, important Lakers? Because I seen that was like a big topic um, on Lakers Twitter. One thing I know what you guys thought about it. Raj, why don't you take this one first, man? Oh, okay. So, did you guys listen to the? Do you know the full thing is two hours and it's really good. I'd recommend. I don't know if you guys are able to hear that full thing. It's uh, all the smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and us. Uh, Stephen A. Stephen Jackson. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, those two hours <laughs> fly by. So they, they ask really good questions. But yeah, that it was kind of interesting because I mean the Lakers have such a long history, right? And then Jeannie Buss also has a long experience history with the Lakers. So she was going through Lakers and then like I think she went like LeBron, Kareem, and someone else, and then Matt Barnes was like Magic. She's like, Yeah, 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 Magic too. So obviously I don't she said she wasn't prepared for that question. I don't think she thought too much into it i think people are mostly mad that she put lebron in there but um i think you know lebron means a lot if you listen to that that podcast you can see that lebron means a lot to her that he came when they were down right it's very easy to very easy to join a franchise when they're at the top that he joined when they were down that really meant a lot to her so that that's kind of how i saw it i don't think she put too much thought into it i think hers was like what kobe lebron phil phil jackson uh kareem and Phil Jackson was a weird one. I thought not that he's not valuable to the franchise, but like Shaq should be there instead. I would think. Yeah, and ju- uh, just to, go ahead. I was gonna say uh, Phil Jackson was said by Matt Barnes. Actually, he said oh, Phil Jackson, okay. and then yeah, she's like, is he? Does he count? And he said absolutely. So yeah, I feel like the the questioning there was a little uh, strange too. Yeah, context is really important. <laughs> Yeah. These kinds of lists are really hard and yeah. it's impossible not to piss somebody off. So that, that would be the thing that I frame it with. 
As far as LeBron, the case is really simple. And I'm not even saying LeBron is one of the five most impactful Lakers ever. I I don't think that that can really be decided for a couple more years. But the case for LeBron is like, like there's some truth to the fact that the franchise was a little bit off the rails there for a while. Like the Magic Johnson thing was really bad. It was really, really bad. It was so bad, in fact, that people were wondering why LeBron went there to begin with uh, under the circumstances. Now, Jeannie deserves a lot of credit for the Rob Palenka pick because Rob has proven to be uh, very savvy and good at his job. Um, but the, the, the initial piece that turned all this around and won the Lakers a championship and had them as the favorite coming into the season was LeBron came to town. And there's something to be said about LeBron facilitating the Anthony Davis thing. It's a real yep. thing that happened. And, uh, and, there, and then now Anthony Davis is under contract in the long term. Um, so there's something to be said about a franchise that was off the rails and is now very firmly on a positive trajectory for many years to come. And LeBron is kind of the linchpin of that. So I don't think even if you don't want to put him on that list, I think you have to acknowledge his importance to this franchise now. Yeah. And I think, um, given that, you know, this was basically her first like run as like the governor and owner uh, of the Lakers, I think it, it mm-hmm. just speaks to the bond between her and, and LeBron James. I mean, they, they, she speaks so highly of him. So I, I can only imagine that they have really uh, close bond, even though he's been here for only a few years. But um, those things matter. You know what I mean? So, um and I'm just happy that, you know, she she's running the Lake show and, and Rob's doing his thing and, and LeBron's with the Lakers. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and just to, like, piggyback off the question, Rob, I, that interview was so awesome because you kind of got a look into some of the chaos. Like, you remember when the Lakers fired uh, Mike Brown, right? And then they hired Mike D'Antoni. And then she was like, I don't really know basketball, but I know that, like, our roster was built for a defensive team. And then we hired a fully offensive coach. So it was just funny to hear, hear her kind of speak about like those, those kind of decisions in the front office that happened. And from us, from the outside, we just see that chaos. Like, oh, they fired Mike Brown and then they hired Mike D'Antoni. But she was confused as well in the, in the front office. So it's, it was, it's a really good interview. I'd, I'd, appreci- I'd, uh, I'd uh, say that everyone should go listen to that. It, it's a little long, but it, it's worth it. Thank right. you, yeah, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Uh, I think that's all. The speaker has. I'll see if we miss any questions in the uh, in the chat. Uh, we're going on over an hour fifteen here, so I guess we'll we'll wrap up. Um, yeah. Why don't we do here. one more question and then call it a night? Sure. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I guess we can kind of uh, close with this one. Um, uh, he says uh, they're hope he he hopes Andre Drummond. Uh, shout out Evan Reynolds. He says uh, I think they're hoping they can coach Drummond to be a chess match type of player due to his mobility at his size on the perimeter when he chooses, so they can play small while technically staying big. Uh, thoughts on that? I guess we I guess we did kind of touch on that, but um, do you see Drummond as because I think uh, his like uh, I guess theoretically Drummond was a switching player, right? But when I, when I watch him on switches, it's not. As a, again, though his mistakes are pretty loud, so I don't know. Like maybe when I rewatch it, that it, it feels different. But do you feel like he's a he's a good switchable player? Because it feels like they're still trapping a lot with him, rather than switching on the perimeter. I guess I guess I'll get your thoughts on that. I think that was the the crux of the question there. If Drummond can kind of switch uh, on the perimeter against you know against playoff level players, right? Like uh, against Orlando Magic, it doesn't really matter. But against the really good teams that have good perimeter players that can 
and hunt those kind of things. Do you, do you see him as a guy that can switch on the perimeter? Not particularly. Um, I, he's, he's, I think he's every bit as capable of that type of role as a JaVale or Dwight. I think of him mm-hmm. as just a slight upgrade over Dwight Howard, in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. he, he's going to have moments as a rim protector and as a guy who's got active hands and in, in pick and roll pocket passes and things along those lines. And, uh, and as a rebounder, he's going to have his moments, but like at the end of the day, like I never was overly confident with Dwight on the floor against teams that were, um, you know, really good dribble drive offenses that were attacking switches. And, uh, again, I've like, I, I'm, I, I like having him instead of not having him. Cause I thought Dwight had his moments. Um, and I think, I think Drummond's going to have moments in that first round series against Denver. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I, We'd be lying if we thought that he was uh, that we would be thrilled to watch Drummond on an island against, you know, really anybody uh, uh, that's a decent dribble drive guard. Yeah, I, I, I agree, and I and I think one, one more thing to add to that is I think another thing that I didn't really I mean I, I didn't watch too much tape on Drummond, but uh, he bites on a lot of like pump fakes, which gets like these smaller guards like just enough separation to kind of get like a easy shot or layup in and, and, um, you know, those kinds of things that like kind of takes him away from using him as, as a switchable, uh, type player. Yeah, that's a good point. He does that at the rim a lot too. I feel like, like, yeah. And, has and, good. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I'm, I'm always just like, why, <laughs> why do you have to do that? You're just <laughs> so large. You don't have to do that. I know he has his hands up and he still jumps and I'm like, man, and those are things that like don't really show up on a box score, but it's just like, those are some of the frustrating things about him. But yeah, I felt like, uh, obviously, uh, Omar, you said you didn't watch too much tape. I don't really blame you for not watching all those Cavs games, but like, I wasn't really watching them either. But just theoretically, I thought, like, cause he's, I mean, he named himself Big Penguin, you know, and being able to move, um, have the agility. It just doesn't really translate onto switches at the perimeter. It feels like teams get him backing up too easily and then, uh, they can shoot over him. So. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like that's a good place to kind of uh, kind of wrap it up. Uh, we went around an hour twenty. I appreciate everyone who came up and talked or put a question in the chat. Um, this is this is really fun. Uh, Omar, I appreciate you taking the time here. Um, everyone, go follow Omar on Twitter. Uh, it's, I believe it's OSID twenty four. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Right. Of course, the guys awesome. is just super fun. Omar, you were awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, Of course. uh, Raj and I are planning on doing – Raj is one of the super fancy, famous people that has spaces (laughs) on Twitter. So we're going to try to do spaces on Wednesday. We're kind of troubleshooting. My big issue with uh, spaces is there's no onboard natural option to record it. So we're going to try to uh, uh, tinker with some things to do, like maybe a screen recording because at the end of the day, like – I don't know about you guys, but I, I, if I can't listen, I'd prefer to have a podcast that I can listen to. And so that's what we want to provide for you guys. Um, but we'll do that on Wednesday. And then as soon as uh, Locker Room emails me the, the, the link for this one, I'll have it up as a podcast as well. And Raj and I were just uh, talking about some of the numbers uh, the other day. And we're so impressed and, and so happy with all the support you guys have given us. And we're super stoked yep. to see how this thing grows. And and we want feedback from you guys, and, and we just hope you guys understand how much we appreciate all of you. Yeah, yeah, we really do. Uh, thanks a lot. And then, again, go follow Omar on Twitter, OSID24. Um, does great work with the Lakers Central, doing videos and everything. So, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone, for coming out. Um, Jason, I'll talk to you later. Omar, thanks again. Of course. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. See you guys.